what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry. We serve as the co-directors and co-founders of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. I think I felt like I said the word foot candle many, many times in that sentence there, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am looking forward to uh, your review of 80 for Brady. Uh, Yeah, so that one, uh, we're a little delayed on that. Okay. My apologies. I... um, (laughs) I've already watched it twice. I feel like I need to watch it one more time to really get deep into the review because I've got gotcha. a lot of analysis I need to bring to the table on that one. Fair enough. So if you give me another another episode, I'll have watched it the sufficient number of times where I feel like I can talk intelligently about this film. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, it just for those of you not aware of what Chris is referring to, we uh, we had a bet on our Oscar nomination picks that I lost. Therefore, Chris got to choose a film that I'm now required to watch and or well and review. Uh, but we did not set a timetable on that. So, I'm, you know, I, I didn't rush out the door to go see it the first time. Gotcha. Um, and I, I haven't watched it yet at all, but I will. I will be watching it. I saw that it's available for rental now. I can actually see it in the comfort of my own home. So, yes, that's what I will be doing soon. Stay tuned for that. In lieu of my review of 80 for Brady, we do have two reviews of films that we're going to be discussing on today's episode. First up, we'll be reviewing the latest Ben Affleck directed and starring film, Air. That's A-I-R, in case of my accent makes it sound like I'm saying some <laughs> other word. It is the word Air. Air. Yes. yes. Kind of a tough word to just say on its own. Have you ever tried to do that, Chris? Just air. Air. Yeah, it sounds kind of weird. It does sound kind of weird. So we're going to follow that review up of Air with the film review Tetris, which is the latest film on Apple TV, uh, one of the Apple TV Plus films. Chris, are you? I was just going to say, I've seen various subtitles for the movie Air. It's really kind of weird. Air, a story of greatness, or Air, courting a legend. I, Even though it may sound weird, I think just leaving it Air, Air. is the way to go. I think some executive or studio execs are seeing this and be like, oh, we can't just call it Air. It's got to have something <laughs> else besides it, so... Right. Let's throw that in there. But yeah, I just say Air. Yeah. Air's the movie. Sure. So those are the two films, Air and Tetris. Both films, interestingly enough, Chris, and I know we did not plan this, but both of them are talking about events in the 80s, kind of iconic images from the 80s or early 90s that we're going to be discussing. It's kind of interesting and a little bit of uh, based on true stories in both these situations. So we'll see how the two films uh, end up at the end of the day. Now, after we finish the reviews during this episode, uh, Chris and I will share a little bit of some movie news. We've got some Star Wars movie news to share. We haven't talked Star Wars in quite a while on this show, Chris. And there were big announcements we're going to discuss later in the episode about new films coming out. I think we've got a couple of trailers to show, at least one, maybe two trailers we're going to discuss for upcoming films. And then we're going to end the review or the show, as we always do, with our recommendation 
Chris and I will both bring a film recommendation to the table of something we think is worth checking out if you're looking for something to watch here in the uh, the coming days. So Chris, uh, as always, we got a lot to cover, a lot to do. I'm ready to jump right in if you are. Does it sound good to you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's jump right into our first review, which is Air. Air. <laughs> the movie Air. 1984 has been a tough year. Our sales are down, our growth is down. Sonny, I brought you in here to grow the basketball business. People don't know what the hell a Nike is. What's a Converse? NBA all-star shoe. There's nothing cool about Nike. You would have to have a pretty compelling pitch. I can tell them the one thing the other companies can't compete with. Our basketball division is terrible. I do not love it. Alan, when word first circulated that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were starring in a film that would tell the story of how Nike wooed basketball phenom Michael Jordan to launch a line of sneakers, I remember you commenting to me, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not sure I'll be interested in a story of a couple of white millionaires worrying whether or not they can get richer by securing a contract when I and most everyone not living under a rock already knows the outcome. Now that you've seen air, did it manage to keep your interest for the almost two hours run of runtime? Yes. Okay. Next question. <laughs> so yeah. how, did, how did it do so? Um, it, it did pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to say pretty good. Uh, this is a movie that, look, it is exactly what's advertised. There are no surprises in this movie. There are no moments where I'm like, Oh, wow. Didn't see that coming. No, you see everything coming from miles away. You know the story. You know how it's going to end. There's no real, there's no question mark about that. So then you have the inherent issue with a film making a film like this. You know, if you make a film based on real events and real people, if you pick an event that people are just not that familiar with, then it's like, oh, yeah, we can build drama and tension pretty easily because people watching the film don't know how this real story is going to go. Sure. This one, you know, okay, you know the end result of this. The fact that they still kept me engaged in this film for close to two hours, even though I knew exactly where it was going to go. Sure. That was pretty impressive, actually. Um, and I think there's a few things that made this work for this film. Um, I will say I think the acting in it helped. I do think the acting was good. Uh, I got a couple call outs to make later on okay. and one that maybe didn't work out as well for me. For the most part, though, I thought they were all all fairly good. Okay. Chris, we've talked about the film Moneyball before. <laughs> You're not a fan of Moneyball. I am not a fan of Moneyball. I love Moneyball. I freaking love Moneyball. I think it's a great movie. This to me is like Moneyball, the light version. It was... Or you may say the entertaining version. Well, some may say that. <laughs> some people who sure. struggle with the artistic ability sure. of, of certain films, yes, may say yeah. that. Gotcha. Uh, no, I think I think uh, this to me is like the um, consumer-friendly version of Moneyball. It's like, let's take the same behind-the-scenes wheelings and dealings, a lot of people talking on the phone, mm -hmm. a lot of meetings, a lot of just conversations in hallways – and it's behind the scenes about something big sporting, uh, sporting uh, activity. And let's make a movie out of it. And this movie did it. And it is definitely a more crowd pleasing version of what Moneyball was for me. And I'm fine with that. To me, it was Moneyball light. Okay. And I'm, I'm good with that because I like Moneyball. So you give me a 
maybe an even easier digestible, little more entertaining version of that film. Sure. I'm on board for it. Uh, it's a very Aaron Sorkin like, and it's dialogue and it's delivery and uh, interactions between people, which I think that was definitely probably some of his, I could see Ben Affleck being influenced by Aaron Sorkin as a writer director, that kind of delivery of dialogue and let's have a lot of walking and talking scenes. And we're kind of got a lot of quick banter between the, the characters. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, but overall, I, I thought it was, I thought it was very good entertaining. I think it made some interesting choices, which we can talk about, um, from a filmmaking standpoint, but overall, yes, I, I liked air. I'm not giving it the fine. I'm actually going above fine <laughs> and saying little, little it was, it was good. Okay. It was a good movie. I did enjoy air more than I ever thought I would. Chris, I am very, very curious there to hear your thoughts on this. What did you think of Air? Well, I liked it. Um, I do have some misgivings, or not misgivings, but some like things that kind of irritated me a little bit about it, so I wouldn't call it a perfect film. But um, I, I did like it, and it was a challenge for me because, kind of like you said, I know everybody knows there's a shoe called Air Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was familiar with that. So the challenge is how do you make an almost two-hour movie interesting if you know these people are pursuing Michael Jordan and you know the end result is they clearly get him, so mm-hmm. there's never anything. And I know it's not Converse Air Jordan, or you know, <laughs> I know it was I was no, it was Nike. So how do they how do they work on the suspense? And I think or not suspense, but how do they build the story? And I think it was interesting just to see how they made it about people and about what they brought to the table, their personalities. Now, was some of that enhanced because of the movie? Well, yes, I would assume so. But still, it, it made it so. You know, it wasn't just the money. It was more of like the relationships that these people tried to build with the Jordan family, according to the film, specifically maybe the mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Viola Davis, (laughs) she's not in the film a lot, but the times that she's on screen, it's like, yes, this lady is clearly a star and she just owns. I can see why, like, (laughs) if they were pitching this film, not the shoe, but this film idea to Michael Jordan, he'd be like, well, you know, I get to pick who's going to be my mom and it's going to be Viola Davis. And they're like, okay. You know, like, like, and then he was like, I could see how that was like the check mark. And he's like, okay, now you're good to do it. You know, because she just really, I think she was crucial. Not that Affleck and um, Damon are are bad. No, they're, they're good. They're fine. Um, And another part that really helped it too, which I wasn't really expecting, although it did tip its hand a little bit in the trailer was Jason Bateman. Mm -hmm. I'm a big Jason Bateman fan. Um, I've seen his comedy, but then I've seen some of his drama stuff with like Ozark, that series is on Netflix. But even though some of the lines were ruined in the trailer, cause mm-hmm. they were really funny in the trailer, but there's a line. So I'm not gonna, you know, he just, Matt Damon's kind of pitching him and then he gives him why he thinks he should come to the, <laughs> just his like, well, like saying, Oh yeah, because we're, our division is our basketball divisions crap. And then Jason Bateman, just his delivery. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's Bateman. He could sleepwalk, yeah. but he's like, well, I don't love it. Like, mm-hmm. they, you know, it's like that just to me, the fact that they wove that little bit of comedy and like basically when Bateman would come on screen, I'd be like, okay, I know, I know I'm going to get something else good here. Um, and yeah. believe it or not. So it's more about the supporting people. You have the serious stuff with Viola Davis. You have Jason Bateman being funny. And then, um, something that I wasn't really expecting to like, I guess a little bit more of the wooing power. I have never been a Chris Tucker fan. Mm-hmm. I've actually kind of actively despised him mm-hmm. just because a lot of his shtick when he did like, I think the rush hour films, yeah, right. 
he's he was always pitched at such, and it was his, it was his thing. Well, that was his thing. That was, that was the way they, 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 they used him. Yeah. And that was the way I think some of his comedy was. So it just, it never really meshed with me, but him in this film, I was like, Mm. man, Chris Tucker, he worked. He totally did. He just kind of like being the voice of reason to some of the Nike people and just acting as kind of a handholder to get them to come together Mm -hmm. with the Jordan family, bringing his insights and stuff. I was, I was really surprised that I actually, Liked Chris Tucker because <laughs> yeah. I just never really been. so. Um, you said you were wanting to call out some acting stuff, so I may have just run down the no, laundry you list. Hit, but. You hit a lot of it. I thought everybody, pretty much everybody, was really good. Chris Tucker as Howard White, yes, I thought he was really great. I really liked the scene where the Jordan family has come in for a meeting, and he's just kind of trying to warm them up a little bit yeah. and kind of loosen things up a little bit. It was just very. I'm like, yeah, this is good. He's 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 handling that really well. Right. Um, Chris Messina as David Falk, the uh, uh, agent, <laughs> the agent, Jordan's sure. agent. Right. Um, yeah, actually, that that part really, I, I had I had a blast watching him with that part. He gets to be very bombastic. He there's gets some to be comedy there the too, but yeah, but there's some moments. I mean, the fact that he can he could be chewing out Matt Damon's Sonny Vaccaro character one minute. But then it's like, okay, now he just kind of backpedals a little bit. Now he's, he's also, he, he knows, look, this is the game. This right. is what we do. And, you know, it's all good. And he's still commenting about how he's going to be the person still eating alone, you know, <laughs> even when he sells his company because he just doesn't make friends. Right. And it's like, yeah, I totally bought it from him. And that he seemed like he was generally kind of affected by that. And that's, that was an interesting part. Jason Bateman was great, but I want to call out, I mean, look, I love Jason Bateman as well. He's one of my favorites to see on screen. Okay. range is never something that Jason Bateman's been a lot of credited for. Sure. And I'm okay with that because I like the limited range he is good at. He does really, really well. This part for me, I kind of felt like, yeah, it's, it's Bateman doing Bateman. He gets to deliver (laughs) his parts and all that. But there was a scene that he has with, with Matt Damon, Sonny Vaccaro character talking about his daughter. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a really good that's a really good scene. He's bringing, bringing in some of his off. Ozark dramatic. Yeah, yeah it was good. Of, so sure. even better than Ozark. Ozark, yeah, sure. I still feel like he's still Jason Bateman, just just intense Jason <laughs> Bateman. Sure. And it's like now this, I got to see him as sentimental, kind of a little heartfelt Jason Bateman, which we don't see very often. And he pulled it off really well. Right. I know everybody talk, was going to want to talk about the scenes with Matt Damon and Viola Davis, the two big dialogue scenes they have one in person, one over the phone. And yeah, they're both really, really good. But I, I say, don't turn a blind eye to Bateman's scene with, with Damon as well as being really good. So, That's fair uh, enough. Um, so Chris, I don't like Ben Affleck. I have been on record about that. Okay. I do not like him as an actor. You definitely don't like him as Batman. No, <laughs> I, I don't like him in any acting role I've ever seen him in. Wow. He just doesn't work okay. for me. All right. As a director, I've been a lot more open to him. Okay. I mean, I did like um, Argo. I liked Argo. Okay. What was uh, he did another one? The one in Boston. Um, the town. The town. I thought the town was good. Okay. I like these films. I think he's a good director. This is a good, well directed film. I think he did a good job with it. His Phil Knight, though, I didn't buy it. I, I I did not buy Ben Affleck in this role. I wish it had been somebody else. I still just don't. I just didn't connect with it. I. I he had some really great moments. There's a moment in a boardroom presentation that he kind of has to, he has to 
fumble a little bit or be, be awkward in. And I thought he was really good in that scene. I like that. But the rest of the movie, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I, I'm sorry. Ben Affleck is still not working for me as an actor in this film, but, um, but well, I'll give him a pass because he's the director and that's fine. He I, th- directed I think, a good movie. yeah, if we're going to single out kind of a weak acting thing, it's not that he did bad, but I, I would say, yeah, the scene in the conference room, yeah, where he has this, he's basically just fumbling all over the <laughs> yeah. place and he's the CEO. Yeah. He's kind of that was almost good. ruining stuff. Yeah, I like that. But That was good because you could tell like he was out of his element and he was messing up. I don't know. I feel like maybe he was struggling with, do I need to be a comedic presence right. or do I need to be a dramatic presence? Because he had the track suits, the kind of mop of curly hair. And it so it was like, are you, and then like spouting off Buddhist aphorisms every now. Mm-hmm. So was he supposed to be kind of like a California joke or like a West Coast joke? Well, or was he supposed to be? The things he was like saying serious. and acting on, that is Phil Knight. I mean, that is the guy. Okay. He, that, he, <laughs> okay. he got those elements right about the, char- the real life character. It's just to me, I, I, I just couldn't figure out where he was going with his performance half the time. You know, gotcha. which, which angle he wanted to play up and how he wanted to use it. So. Sorry, Ben. I, I can't give you a pass on the acting, but look, you directed a good movie, so I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you overall a pass. Haven't completely kicked you out of the Foot Candle Films fan club yet, but just saying, man, uh, just stay behind the camera. I'm happy when you're behind the camera. We'll leave it at that. Um, okay. The only other things I'll say, the only other kind of issues I had with the film, things that just didn't work for me. Look, I know it's 1984. I get it kind of beat me over the head with some of the nostalgia kind of at times. There were a lot of just random shots of just people at their desk playing a little handheld game that was like, or other things is like, okay, yeah, you're trying to remind me it's 1984. I get it. A title card at the beginning did just as good. I remember it's 1984 all the way through the movie. You don't have to hit me over the head with as many uh, needle drops and as many nostalgia shots throughout this film. I felt like those were actually sometimes got annoying. It was like, okay, yep, here's another needle drop song and something we're supposed to remember from the 80s to kind of remind us where we are. Yeah, I, I didn't need all that. I, it's interesting you mentioned the needle drops. And I, it it kind of wore on me a little bit. And I think the reason I noticed it too was I went to see it with my wife and she was like jamming with it. She's like, and she actually said at one point like, oh, I love the soundtrack. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a little too it's out just, front. It's like every time there was a scene change, it was like drop in a big new musical right. cue. It was like, okay. All these greatest hits. Yeah. And just like It yeah. kind of lost its energy after a while. Like there was even a needle drop when they cut to the Adidas building, which looks a lot like the Nike building. And when I heard this <laughs> needle drop and we went into a boardroom, I'm like, oh, wow, we're in the boardroom of Nike. And it's like, it took me a few minutes. Like, Oh no, no, this is, this is Adidas. But yet it had like a really cool intro song into it, like needle drop song as well. I'm like, <laughs> all right, you're just using it for every scene change. Now it's kind of losing its effect on me. I'm not sure, sure where we are or where we're supposed to be feeling right now. So, yeah. I got to ask you, um, which you've heard us talk about all these different actors and the parts they were playing in the film. The fact that you never saw Jordan's face. Yes. And you heard him speak, I think once. one word. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was he said it. Hello. <laughs> he, said, he said, hello. Yeah. Um, was it distracting for you? Not a bit. And did you know, or did you guess going in because you hadn't heard anything about anybody playing Michael Jordan? You just kind of assumed 
they were going to do something like this. So I didn't, didn't really know. It didn't bother you or distract you. Didn't bother me. And I, I loved what it was basically saying is that it's, we got put in the shoes, shoes. Huh? <laughs> uh, we got put in the shoes of Sonny Vaccaro and all these guys at Nike, because there's kind of a, a moment where Sonny's wanting to talk to Michael and his mom says, it's not time for that yet. And I'm like, okay, I get it. That's where we are as the audience too. It's not time for us yet. We're, we're dealing with the parents. We're dealing with the companies. We don't need to deal with Michael yet. Michael will ultimately have the, the yay or nay vote on this, but he's going to take the lead of what his mother and father also strongly feel. And that's the, that's the route we're going with it. So I totally, I love that choice. I think it worked. I think it would have been distracting to have somebody playing Jordan that we obviously know is not Michael Jordan. Right. He's such a recognizable name. He was not needed for this film. His presence being off camera was more powerful than if somebody had tried to play him on camera, I thought. So, yeah, yeah. it worked for me. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes it was, wasn't distracting, but maybe I felt like you felt like it was almost a little overly we're, we're hiding him. over overly done. Hide, like it just became, but I knew because I hadn't heard a casting choice. And I was like, okay, they're just not going to show him. And sure yeah. enough, that's kind of what they did. But then sometimes it was just like, they would follow him. They would never yeah. show. And it was like, there was blocking. There things. were times it was and almost a little bit like the Austin powers bit <laughs> where it's like, they just start conveniently holding things in places to block, uh, you know, things you're not supposed to see on right. his body. It's that same kind of idea. It's almost like it was such intentional blocking to make sure you never saw his face. But yes. I think it was, it was a, right. it's a, and I don't know if that was something Michael Jordan said. He's like, I don't want to be on screen. I don't want anybody playing me. And I also want my daylist to be my mom. I don't like, yeah. I, I don't know. But knowing that going in, it didn't bother me as much, but sometimes I felt it didn't, it didn't ruin the film for me, sure. but sometimes I felt like maybe it was a little distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there again, I'll say my wife, it really bothered her. Really? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, yeah, I just wish they would have, why couldn't somebody play him? I'm like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't I know if it was taken away. Yeah. I, I don't know. I said, but if you think about it, it's more about the story between these people trying to do this deal and the family. And like yeah. you said, it was kind of, they set it up. So the framework worked well. The mother is the gatekeeper. Yeah. She was basically making sure nobody had access to her son until it was the right time to have access to her son. Right. That includes us, the audience. We didn't need to have Fair access enough. to him. And I think that was a good choice. I like that. Chris, I only have one other criticism of the film. Okay. It's a very personal thing. Oh, I will never, I do not want to live in a world where it's accepted that Matt Damon, the way he looked in this film is considered quote, overweight and out of shape (laughs) because all I'm doing is I'm looking at myself like, really? That's, they're now making jokes about how he looks in this film. Like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. It's like, no, don't do it. Don't even try to go that route unless you've got somebody who truly looks (laughs) out of, he's got a little dad dad bod going on and that's about it I'm, I'm sorry i it's not bad so anybody that's just a personal thing of mine they make and so, they make a joke of that at the end where oh, he yeah. goes out on a track yeah. and yeah no that's fine because i mean he doesn't like running i don't really care I, i'm not a runner either <laughs> right. but there were even jokes along the way of just you know oh you know he he's he doesn't ever get out and do anything doesn't exercise whatever it's obvious look at him it's like oh come on that hurts. Like that hurts all of us in middle America watching this movie, <laughs> looking at ourselves like, well, we don't look as good as Matt Damon. Are you, how are we, how are we supposed to be looking? Anyway, it was a personal choice. might've been a little, a little bit of a difference miscasting if they were growing for somebody who need to look out of shape and overweight and all that. Matt Damon's not that guy. I'm sorry. Even when he tries to look 
uh, dumpy or whatever. It, it, it's not, it doesn't pull it off. So that was a little bit of a disconnect for me, but, um, like I said, it was more of a, a petty personal thing. So something that I thought, and this is, so my hangup was a little bit of the, the music cues and the Jordan, mm-hmm. not getting to see his face, but I can accept the Jordan, not seeing his face a little bit more than I can the music cues, but something that I thought would be a pitfall and it kind of started working this way, but then I feel like they did something unique with it. And I'm interested to hear what you think. The whole film, you know, is building towards the Nike pitch scene. Mm-hmm. And it starts there. We've mentioned that, you know, Ben Affleck kind of stumbles and there's a slideshow type thing. And then, then Matt Damon gets up and gives the speed and you can almost hear like the chariots of fire music oh, yeah. building. Now, I can see how some people would be like, yeah, that's just, that's a little bit much. But you figure pitch meetings are a little bit much. However, what I thought and what I appreciate and why is I ultimately came out on the side that I liked it because he'll, he's saying some things and they start doing some time jumps on screen of showing things that have oh, not happen happened, have not happened yet, yeah. but will happen. And just the way they did that, and it was kind of mm-hmm. saying like, I, I found that good. instead of just letting Matt Damon rhapsodize, Tony, you know, the car's character say, Oh, all this convincing, like sugary stuff or like how we'll yeah. be there for you. Like the way they did some cutting in there, I was like, okay, yeah. I actually do kind of like no, it that. was a good, it so was I thought fun. that was inventive. Well, even the lead up with the video being cut off in the middle and all that. Yeah. It was all effective. It worked for me. Um, again, I think, I think for this type of film, it was a well directed, well made, well, for the most part cast film. Um, that, you know, even for a film that with no surprises, right. Uh, yes, even, even the tension that's, that's, is tried to be built up in the last little moments of the film, you know, you know, what's going to happen <laughs> right. when there's a phone in every scene and you're just waiting for it to ring and you know, it's going to ring yeah, and you know, there's going to be a message on the phone somehow getting to them. You're just waiting for it to happen. So that's, but to still make that entertaining right. was impressive. So I'm like, look. Uh, I, I think, I think overall is a good movie. I thought I, I did enjoy it. I think it was uh, well made, well, well put together, well done. Um, horrible movie poster. Yeah. God, I'm so frustrated with movie posters these days. <laughs> They've gotten so sloppy. It is just, let's just put a bunch of people's faces montage together on a, on a poster. And it's just, it, it doesn't work. But anyway, that's beside the point. We're reviewing the film. The film is good. The and poster, Chris, the poster the, was... I mean, I get it. You've got a lot of famous people, so you want to maybe, you know, you have their names, but then just design-wise, yeah. It was well, and I'll say too, real quick, last closing note, my sure. concern about this being just a big two-hour-long Nike commercial, <laughs> look, it was. It is a Nike commercial. Okay, I have no bones about it. It is promoting Nike. If oh, you sure. come out of this movie and you had no feeling about the company of Nike, you come out feeling more positive about Nike as a company. It makes it look better than Adidas and Converse and all these other ones. But I was okay with it because there was a decent, good story to tell. And they told it in a way that I thought was convincing and uh, worked for me. So I'm okay with watching a two hour commercial if it's engaging and entertaining like this was. So, yeah. Okay. That is air. A I R air. (laughs) Courting a legend or air. What was the other one? Oh gosh. What was the, a story of greatness. Oh yeah. 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 Just, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think just stick with air <laughs> air. That's yeah. the movie air. We are recommending it. Both of us recommending it. Sure. I'm surprised by that. It's mm-hmm. good. Good. Good outcome. 
All right. And that is playing in movie theaters, but it will be coming to Amazon fairly soon because it is an Amazon production. Uh, it's going to theaters first, which is kind of odd for Amazon productions, but they're going to theaters first and then it'll be released on Amazon before too long. So definitely uh, keep an eye out for it either way. Okay. Next up, we have the film that went straight to Apple TV Plus. This is an Apple TV Plus original movie uh, starring uh, uh, Taron Egerton, and it is the film Tetris. Tetris? Tetris. 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 It's the perfect game. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. I played for five minutes. I still see falling blocks in my dreams. Chris, I don't know your background with the game Tetris, but I'll just say this. I did own a Nintendo Game Boy. I did play Tetris quite a bit. It was a game I played a lot. (laughs) I really do enjoy the game. We talked about this movie coming out a a few episodes ago, Mm -hmm. saying that we saw a trailer for it and Mm -hmm. that, if you had told us that the film Tetris uh, was a film was being made about Tetris, it's like, ah, uh, here we go. We saw the trailer. We're like, ah, oh, trailer looks uh, looks pretty good. Looks interesting. Looks like they're taking a little interesting uh, take on this. Um, the story is about how one of the world's most popular video games found its way to the players around the globe. We follow businessman Hank Rogers and the inventor of Texas, uh, uh, Tetris inventor Alexei Pajanov as they join forces in the USSR, risking it all to bring Tetris to the masses. Chris, my question is going to be a setup for you. Uh, I don't expect there to be an honest answer on this, but this is going to obviously tip where I am on this film. Okay. How is it a film that features Russian spies, mobsters, 8-bit video game interpretations of scenes, and a performance by Taron Egerton, who I really liked as Elton John and Rocket Man, how is this film more boring hmm. than air? Well, <laughs> so if that doesn't tell you where I end up I, on this film, I, yeah, okay, yeah. but go ahead. I would well, like to hear your thoughts on this. Film. So unfortunately, um, I am with you mm. and I think the cleverness and everything was exhausted after the, about the first hour. Oh, hour? I think first 20, 30 minutes. Okay. I mean, yeah. So I'm being a little bit more generous yeah. than you. I think the cleverness was gone. Um, and what really watered it down was, okay, so so this game was developed in Russia. Got you. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit complicated, I would understand, because communist country, and to try to get rights from them, and they're like, why do we want to do anything? Why do we want to sell anything to anybody? We're proud of the game. We want to make the money. Like, of course, everybody wants to make money, mm-hmm. not just a communist country. So I get it. But, um, and Taron Egerton, I liked him. I thought he did a good job. Some of the, the jokes they had, which unfortunately there again, sound like a broken record. Some of them were ruined in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Some of the music cues were ruined in the trailer, but fine. They still worked well enough. Um, there's a motif of, with like action scenes, sometimes they would use some of the graphics on the screen, the eight bit graphics to show like blocks falling or different things. That's all good. But then slowly I felt like, at least for me, by the hour mark, maybe it was earlier, but tone kind of shifted into more, they were trying to do more of like a spy drama. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really work because I feel like at that point the stakes, 
I was actually just confused because yeah. there were there were it's things. A very confusing. I understand thing. it's a video game, but then they're different. There was like a, there's the console, or it's a computer, or it's mm-hmm. a handheld, and different people kept shouting about different things. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Right. I mean, I understand legal stuff's complicated. Dealing with a foreign country, I get it. That would kind of, and you know, but at some point, I was just kind of like, I felt like the characters didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on, mm. and I didn't really care. Yeah, um, that's my big thing. So, I did not care. Right. I'm with you. I found this to be such a dull movie mm. that, honestly, I actually, during the middle of the film, I downloaded Tetris on my, my phone <laughs> and started playing Tetris while the movie was going on. Nice. Because I just could not find myself to get entertained by this or engaged at all. I love the setup of the premise. Like, in the first five minutes, I'm realizing, oh, wait a minute. This isn't going to be a movie about making of Tetris. This is all Tetris has been made. Right. It was like we see it in the first two minutes of the film on a showroom floor being demonstrated at a video game conference. I'm like, oh, so the movie's not about making Tetris. It's about how do we get it out to the world and make money from it. Right. See, that's the key. It's all driven by people just want to make money off of this product. And that's what I think is a little bit of a, a disconnects me a little bit, even from the lead character in this film. Mm. I don't know who this guy is. I still, after watching the film, I couldn't really tell you exactly who he is. Is he, I mean, he's a salesperson. He runs a video game maker company, but he also seems to be a whiz programmer. Cause there's one scene, a ridiculous scene where he walks into Nintendo headquarters and in a five second span adjusted something on his game to make it compatible and look perfect on the game boy. I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> I am now out of this movie. This movie sure. has lost me at this point. I don't know who this main character is. I, all I know at the end of the day is that he's just kind of a greedy guy that bet made a kind of a big bet on something and had to pursue that bet or else he was going to lose everything. I'm like, but it wasn't even something he made. It wasn't something he created. It's just something he wanted to buy and resell and he kind of took some shortcuts and ways to do it. I'm like, I'm I'm not connecting with this guy. I'm hmm. just not connecting with this character. I'm not following him. I don't really care what happens to him by the end of the movie now. Okay. And then I kind of start to feel the same way about all the other characters. I'm like, I just don't care. It's like, I honestly looked at my watch about an hour 15 in. I'm like, oh my God, this thing has still got 45 yeah. minutes left. Okay. And I don't feel like I'm going anywhere with it. So I was very disappointed in this film. That was very boring. Did not associate with the characters at all. In cliche, oh my gosh, there were some bad cliche moments in this. Uh, even early on, the bank scene where he's talking to his banker. and Obviously, he owes the bank a lot of money. They're trying to get it back from him. And it was just so cliche. Just this whole, well, you know, I've got this money, but oh no, I'm sorry. I've already lost it again. And I need the bank to do this. And it's just... Everything's just played too cliche. He misses his daughter's recital, you know, because he's working too much. I'm like, okay, this is just too much. This is, this is too much. (laughs) So I know I did not like this movie. I thought the the use of the graphics and the eight bit animations in the beginning were clever and fun, but they forgot about them after about 20, 30 minutes and really didn't pursue them back up until a random char car chase towards the end of the film that, and at that point, it just felt so out of place. It's like, sure. this is weird. Why are you doing this now? I have no reason why you would be doing this now. Um, duh. I'm, I'm speaking from a point of disappointment is what it is. Because this sure. is the, this had the chance to be a good movie. And I just felt like it really just didn't know what to do with it. So I think just they padded it a little bit more than they needed to, leaning on some 
nostalgia, which, you know, not that Air, the previous movie we reviewed, didn't. But, um, yeah, and just the confusion factor. Oh, it, just yeah. They could have they trimmed confusing. that down. Yeah. Um, you had like four or five different players who all seemed to have very similar interest in moves they were making. And, yeah, the whole, well, there's console rights, there's arcade rights, there's handheld rights. And it's like, I never really have any sense of which ones are important. So when somebody says, oh, my gosh, we just lost the arcade rights, I'm like, okay, is that... Is, is that, that bad? <laughs> is that does that end the story or are we right. good? Like I don't understand where we are in the story. And I think they took a lot for granted just thinking, oh, people will they're not gonna need to follow along. They're just, they're just gonna along. go along yeah. with it. And play that along. was disappointing. So. I would say, you know, Darren Egerton, I thought he was good as mm. uh Hank Rogers. I think I've, for me, I w- I didn't he was somebody that came across as being fast talking salesman. Obviously, yeah, he was he was kind of greedy. Um, but I feel like he was charming enough and could like play the angles enough that he kept me, kept me interested, but I eventually did lose interest. Somebody else that I'll, and I'm completely unfamiliar with him. I don't know if he's been in other films or not. Um, but he looked familiar, but turns out, yes, I don't think I've ever seen him before is Nikita Efremov. And he's mm-hmm. the one who played the designer, Alexi, that actually came up with Tetris. And I thought he was. He was really good because he just, or to me, I thought he was good because he, he seemed to be struggling with, you know, I'm trying to keep my family safe. I'm trying to like, you know, not get in trouble with the communist government, but then he kind of finds somebody in Hank Rogers who's, they do have this mutual, like we both like games. We both think it's brilliant. And I don't know. I appreciated him. I, I thought he was, thought he was good. So I, mm. he helped he helped the movie with me a little bit. Um, but yeah. no, I, and I don't, I don't blame Taron Egerton. I just feel like they didn't really give him a lot of definition to his character to kind of work within. So I never just connected with him. I just didn't care for him, care gotcha. about him. I didn't care what <laughs> happened. Um, and that's, a, that's a shame. I, I blame the writing. I blame the, however, whoever decided what the pacing of this film uh, was going to yeah. be. That's the issue I take with it. No, I like Taron Egerton, and yes, he was still good. You know, he has a scene early on where he's describing the first moment he played Tetris. I'm like, yeah, I bought it. Okay, it was good. But then I just couldn't connect with the character after that. Um, I will say, too, um, no, I got nothing. That was it. <laughs> I, I felt like it was a shame. It, 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 it It's actually worse than I would have expected because, okay, if it had just been a uh, kind of a cheesy game a movie about the game Tetris and about making it. And they kind of just have fun with it and are real kind of loose with, with the narrative and story and just kind of be very kind of maybe quirky with it. Would it have been a good movie? I don't know, but at least it would have been something. Mm-hmm. And instead I felt like this movie just at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, it wasn't unique. It wasn't quirky. It wasn't, even when it tried to be serious, it wasn't serious enough to make it a serious movie. Sure. Like it just, yeah, the tone, like you mentioned, it just couldn't really pick a tone that it was good at. Um, and it tried to veer into more serious tone in the latter half of the movie. And by that point I didn't care and it just didn't work. So <laughs> something disappointed with Tetris. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, even though we just reviewed a movie air, that was about a true life event that yeah. you said in the setup of the, the episode at the beginning, the one that I kept thinking of when I was watching this movie was the movie we reviewed on a previous episode, Pinball, oh, yeah. The Man Who Saved the Game. And that's it's about a game. But yet the way they did that, 
it just somehow worked so much. Of course, it was also shorter. <laughs> but well, the movie but was also, it's but just, somehow it just, it worked. It was more entertaining and it was able to balance tone well, better. And it, it, it had the right tone and it kept that tone throughout the entire film. You had a lead character that I think you knew pretty early on. You got to know that character pretty, pretty quickly. Like sure. you saw the aspects of his life and elements that created that character for you. And right away you kind of connected with him. You like this guy, you like this character. Um, and it wasn't complicated. It was a pretty simple story. It's like, guy likes pinball. Pinball is getting banned. He <laughs> wants pinball to come back. He's going to fight for pinball to come. And it's like, I get it. This works. So yeah, very, very similar in the kind of the structure of these, of the kind of not telling about the making of the game, just like pinball was right. not about making pinball. It right. was, a kind of behind the scenes story that not a lot of people realize. Sure. Tetris, same thing, the behind the scenes story of distributing the game, which on its surface sounds really interesting, but just didn't get there. Well, so. and something, okay. Yeah. And you mentioned, so pacing and scripting tone, similar, trying to reflect it back a little bit, just briefly to air. We kind of knew the outcome. We know they're going to be air Jordans and they show three different pitch meetings, Adidas, Converse, and they end up, you know, of course, Nike. But the way they were able to kind of, that made so much more sense from a plot, through line, story arc standpoint, as opposed to here, where we're like bouncing back and forth between different boardrooms, different companies. Mm. And yeah, you just end up saying like, I don't really care anymore. Well, and, <laughs> and I think I get the sense that that was a little bit of their intention is, let's make this just so it's such a, ridiculously convoluted thing <laughs> like but to do it from an entertaining standpoint mm. like you've seen movies where it's like sure. okay yeah we like there's so many twists and turns and people and all that it's like you don't really you lose track of what's going on but you're just entertained by the mayhem of it right this never got to that point either so it's like it just never committed to one type of approach it wanted to take to this movie and it left a very limp film that just didn't do anything chris I want to wrap up this with just kind of a commentary or question mark in general. Okay. Apple TV plus movies. Is is it me or is it just the sense of these movies? We've talked about several of them on the show. We've talked about, I think uh, the, both of the Tom Hanks films that Apple TV plus did the uh, Greyhound Greyhound and, and the this. one about the robot. Right. Can't Whatever it's called. We talked about Coda. Um, I never saw Coda. So oh, we did not talk it. about it. Okay. Coda. Yeah. Unless you talked about it without me on the show, which I you may have done. I don't remember. Um, there's a few other, what are some other movies? Um, that was like their original movies. Hmm. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is of all the Apple TV Plus originals I've seen. Oh, there was the one most recently that um, Brian Tyree Henry got nominated. Causeway. Causeway, yeah. Was that an Apple TV original? I believe so, yeah. yeah. All right, Causeway was okay. <laughs> I just feel like these movies are something about what they have not kept caught on to something in making these movies yet as a studio that I don't know if it's like, they try to like dull the edges of all their movies to make them just these like very, I almost get the sense a computer decided <laughs> what this movie was going to be. This movie has to be this many minutes long. It has to feature this many characters. It has to have these lines of dialogue has to have this. And it just, at the end of the day, yes, it makes a good functioning movie. But it's not an engaging movie that I think people really connect with. Okay. And I felt that about all the Apple TV Plus movies so far. I'm like, I just, I don't feel, I felt engaged by air. 
I'm like, I was into it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I want to see where this goes. I want to see how they do it. Fair enough. I can't think of an Apple TV plus movie, maybe Causeway. I did like that one where I'm just like, I, I, I feel like I'm connected with this movie in any way. So I just wonder, is that, is that the fact that they're early studio, they're still young? Is it because it's Apple who is not originally an app, a movie studio? It's a <laughs> computer manufacturer and they're just trying to make product that's kind of consumable by a large audience. I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about what's going on with the movie side. Hmm. I feel a little bit the same way about the TV stuff, but this isn't a TV show. show so we're not <laughs> going to talk about that. Okay. But I'm a little concerned about Apple TV and I'm an Apple guy. Believe me, I, I cheer for them. I want this to succeed, but I just, the movie studio part of it's been very concerning for me. So maybe they, I guess them winning for Coda maybe was the worst thing that could have happened. <laughs> They just kind of coast on autopilot. It's like, all right, that's what we do. Plug it in the uh, Mac uh, automator formula right. and just spit out more movies like this. And that's kind of what I feel like they're trying to do. Because this is, yeah, Tetris is like, I, I felt like it was created by a computer. Hmm. And, oh, humans like this. This will be fun. We will have this and we will have this and we will change tones from comedy to drama. <laughs> and we will have this kind of twist and turns and people like that. I'm like, it just didn't work. Had no had no heart, had no emotion to it. So anyway. Interesting. All right. Well, that is Tetris. I'm not recommending it, Chris. I mean, if you have an Apple TV subscription. You're saying Apple if you have Apple TV Plus, you should watch it? I mean, you might find some general interest in I'm it. I'm saying if you honestly have watched everything else on the <laughs> Apple TV library and you have two hours wow. and you don't want to go outside, it's not maybe it's horrible weather. There's really nothing else to do. And you played Tetris back in the 90s and you love it. All right, then fine. Give it a watch for a couple hours. But don't say I didn't warn you <laughs> that it's just not terribly entertaining. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I may have liked it marginally better than you, but I still admit it's it's less than perfect. Oh. <laughs> All right, on a five-star scale, this is a... I'll probably give it a two and a half. All right. I'm... I'm one and a half to two. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to give it a one star because one star means you just competently did not make a movie. It was, <laughs> you know, one and a half, two stars mean, yeah, you made a movie, but there's just not anything there for me. Gotcha. Where air to me is a three and a half range movie. Gotcha. That's where I am. On it. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We're done with our reviews. We've talked about air. We've talked about Tetris. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some movie news, mostly in the star Wars universe. And we have our recommendations of films we ought to check out. Stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films. We'll be right back in just a minute. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. So welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Chris Fry and Alan Jackson with you here from Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival. Uh, we had our reviews of Air and of Tetris earlier on, but let's move on to our uh, discussion of some movie news, Chris. Now, Chris, we, we like to bring up every time we get together, whether it's uh, talking about some news items about movies that are being announced or being made or showing trailers of ones that are coming out soon. We're going to do a little bit of both on this. We have not 
I looked back at our records because, you know, I'm very meticulous with note taking and I keep organized everything <laughs> we've done. Sure. And I'm just, everything's top of mind. I do tons of hours of research before every episode. I don't think we've talked about either uh, superhero movies in our news or Star Wars in the news in a while. Okay. Am I right with that? I know we did the review sure. of Ant-Man of, a couple months ago, and that sure. was a singular review because that movie came out. But as far as news, I think we kind of burn ourselves out maybe a little bit for a while on Star Wars and then like Marvel, DC, whatever news. We just got tired of it. So we're like, eh, let's talk about more interesting projects. But lo and behold, we did have a big Star Wars celebration event that went on last week. And they made some announcements. So they decided they're going to keep making stuff because it's basically like printing money. Yeah, they basically just got up on stage and said, we looked at our checkbook and we realized how much money we've made from Star Wars in the past. So we're going to make more Star Wars. Right. <laughs> that is the end. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, right, Thank you for tonight. coming. <laughs> um, yeah, they made some announcements. And uh, granted, a lot of announcements are in the TV realm, which we don't get into TV in, in, in this this show. But they did make some movie announcements, which I thought were... Interesting. There's been some drama over the years with the Star Wars movies. Think about all the people who have been attached to make a Star Wars movie in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the uh, Wonder Woman director? Um, Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins was signed on to do a, a Rogue Squadron movie that now has been axed and no longer available. There's uh, Ryan Johnson. Supposedly, according to Kathleen Kennedy, who's kind of one of the shepherds of the whole Star Wars universe, she says Ryan is still interested and they're still do, interested in doing something with Ryan. But that idea of him doing a trilogy at one point of new movies, that just that's gone away. Taika Waititi, supposedly still working on a Star Wars movie, but they're not really saying anything new. That's kind of been floating out there, too. Hmm. Um, you know, the guy who was going to do Rise of Skywalker, the last of the prequel trilogy that we got uh colin trevorrow was the one who got kind of booted off of that and they brought in jj abrams there's just been a lot of question marks about what they're doing with movies plus since rise of skywalker was not well received not by me not by me either (laughs) and also financially did not do as well as it as it should have for sure so I think they're really trying to retool what they're doing with Star Wars movies. Okay. The big announcement they had during the Star Wars celebration was that there is going to be a new movie that is following the events of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. It's going to be directed by Charmaine obaid Trono, who most recently did episodes of Miss Marvel, the Disney Plus hmm. Marvel show, Okay, um, which I saw. I mean, I thought it was a good show. Uh, but they are building it around Ray. So it will be Daisy Ridley mm. will be Ray in okay. a new movie. And the idea is that it's going to be following Ray as she builds a new Jedi order. So that's that it's going to take place a decade after rise of Skywalker. Mm. So that is the new movie. So okay. they are continuing with the Skywalker ish saga, but they will be, I guess this will be movie number 10 in that kind of ongoing saga of films. With that thoughts on that, Chris, were you were you feeling like that that whole universe, that whole storyline was kind of just put to rest, or are you at all intrigued by the idea of Daisy Ridley returning as Ray for a new movie? Well, so I was, you know, the new Star Wars movies. I liked the first two. Um, I did like um, Force Awakens. 
I did like um, The Last Jedi, Jedi, the Ryan Johnson film. And then my frustration with the third movie was not Daisy Ridley, but just the fact that I felt like they were scrambling and just just throw st- threw stuff on a wall, plot points on a wall, and saw what stuck, and that's what they went with. And they kind of undid a lot of what I thought had been building through the first two films. Agreed. Now, um, having Daisy Ridley continue, I think I, I like her as an actress. Mm-hmm. I liked her as Ray. Um, having her be kind of an older, wiser version of herself 10 years down the road, and the fact that what they tried to do was kind of like let go of the past and move forward. So if, I mean, Luke's dead, Han's dead, Princess Leia's dead. Okay. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler. In case you missed all the Star Wars movies, movies in the last 10 years. So I think this will help it finally move on. Well, and yeah. I'm hoping that that's the case. And if so, like, you know, I'm a sucker. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely watch it. Um, so yeah, I think it's curious that they uh that's how they've decided to Yeah to do it. I uh I'm I'm optimistic because I'm like you, I like Daisy Ridley, I like her as Ray. I I think the new characters we got in the new sequel trilogy were what I was the most connected with and mm-hmm. why I was the most disappointed with Rise of Skywalker is I felt like it just took those characters and like, eh, let's just throw out everything you thought you knew about these characters or everything you liked, and we're just not going to pay that much attention. Right. I liked all three of the main characters we were introduced to in force awakens. So I'm happy to see any of them continue their story. Um, yeah, I think it's good. I think, uh, don't really need JJ Abrams involved. I'm fine with that. (laughs) Um, I like JJ Abrams for the most part, but I do feel like he's, he just played the studio. He played the harp, the harp, the studio wanted him to play on that last movie and it, it just didn't work. So no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm curious. I'd like to see that of all the characters I'd like to see continue. Yes. I think Ray was played by Daisy Ridley. I'm the most optimistic about and curious to see. So, so that's one movie that is coming out for sure. And we don't, do we have a date? We don't have a date. I don't believe we have a date yet. Um, another one that's being announced is by director James Mangold, who, um, Four versus Ferrari. He did Logan. Mm-hmm. Most recently, you'll, you'll see him in the new Indiana Jones movie that comes out in a few weeks that in the dial of destiny. Um, so Disney in theory likes what he's done with that because they're banking on him to do a I Star guess Wars so. movie. I, that's he, probably a good he, way. Maybe to look he's at the it. new JJ Abrams. I mean, a he did, he's done Indiana Jones. Now he's going to do a Star he, Wars. They're, they're giving him keys to the big franchises, which is, which Got is, you. I guess an encouragement. But his film will be a set 25,000 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is the original Star Wars uh, uh, A New Hope battle. And what it amounts to is an origin story for the Force. And they say that it's going to be, Mangold described it as almost like a biblical epic, um, kind of in a big old Hollywood style film Hmm. about the the origin of the force. <laughs> Look, Hey, it sounds okay. interesting. I mean, like go for it. It doesn't, it doesn't check any boxes I had for the star Wars universe that I wanted to see going forward. But I'm like, ah, but it could be really interesting too. But there again, at least you're not getting any characters we're already familiar with. Well, there's no way. Unless so, right, they've been around that. for 25,000. So maybe years. some version of Yoda. <laughs> right. Yeah. But other than that, <laughs> Actually, Yoda is a baby. Right, I think, well, right. he's about Not Grogu, but actually Yoda is a baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, 
that sounds interesting. And the the last film, and there's not a lot of details on this, but um, they're still doing more TV shows. They've got the uh, Ashoka, which is the one that's going to have um, who's the actress. Uh, um, I can see your face. I know you're talking. Um, about. Oh, <laughs> Rosario Dawson. There we go. Rosario Dawson in Ashoka. And then another series called the skeleton crew. That's going to have Jude law in it. Oh, both of these series are coming out on Disney plus, but then they say that what's going to happen is the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett, which are two other Disney plus shows. Ashoka and skeleton crew are all going to kind of weave into a feature film that is going to be directed by Dave Fleoni, who's the one who did the clone wars cartoon series. Mm. He's done okay. a lot of the more animated work on the star Wars universe. Okay. So kind of a, yeah, you go watch all these TV shows and then all these characters kind of come together in a film. So basically we're talking three new films that are being announced there. Hmm. The only one of these I'm excited about is the one with, Daisy Ridley and Ray. Yeah. I'm okay. curious about the the biblical epic version of the, the the Force with James Mangold, and I don't know anything about the last one. Uh, that that sounds like just kind of a cash grab. Let's just tie into all the characters we've been rolling out in our TV shows and giving them a big movie to do it. So yeah, my fear with that is that means I have to actually watch all the TV shows. Right, there's so. that. So <laughs> um, anyway, interesting. They did not make any announcements about Ryan Johnson or Taika Waititi. Uh, although Kathleen Kennedy has been interviewed saying that both of them are still on the table and they keep discussing projects with them. So we shall see. Okay. But that is our star Wars news. Now we don't have to talk about star Wars again for like another year. At least Um, we've done it. We've checked that box. We're good. Um, Yeah. I I hope they can write the ship on this one. I'd I'd really like the idea of there being a star Wars film universe. I like the idea of even another trilogy if it was helmed by a really good, good team. And I think we almost had it with four, with uh, the previous trilogy until they botched it on the third one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Almost had it. Almost. Almost got it. So, all right, Chris, uh, that's our Star Wars news for the episode. You have a trailer um, that you wanted to share with me and with the audience and for sure. us to talk about. So this is our trailer tapas where we, Kind of just uh, explore the little morsels that we're given about a film coming down the road through the trailer format. So we're going to play the trailer here in a second that Chris is going to set up, and then we're going to discuss it once the trailer's done. Chris, what is the trailer we're reviewing today? So this was a big hit out of Sundance. It's an action comedy, and it's called Polite Society. Okay. So let's listen to a little bit of the trailer. All right, cool. I'm Rhea Khan. I am going to be a stunt woman. My sister Lena is the only person who believes in me. Want to help me with a vid for my channel? She helps me with all my training. You are going to be such a great stunt woman. That was dope though. But lately, she's been seeing this guy who I think is a bit of a smarmy wanker. You know, it's a trap. Oh my God, Rhea, chill out. Now, I'm not being dramatic. So that was the trailer for Polite Society uh, coming out April 28th. So here, uh, pretty soon. Pretty soon. Uh, pretty quickly there. So um, yeah, this looks uh, this looks interesting. Well, the thing is, um, coming right off the heels, which a lot of people have compared it to, um, 
and it won a lot of Academy Awards, <laughs> Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, just because there's some comedy, there's some family dynamic, and there's karate and stunts mm-hmm. all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, just like that film, more female-centric. More driven. female-centric. And um, so instead of the Asian culture, this is more the Indian, Indian culture. culture. Right. Um, so I just, if you're going to give me an action movie, throwing in some comedy doesn't hurt. And letting me kind of be exposed, you know, a little bit more to a different culture that's trying to teach me. So just, you know, that that makes it interesting for me because mm-hmm. just, you know, action movies aren't really my thing. Action comedy. OK. And then one that's trying to, like, maybe try to teach dumb me some culture. OK, now now you have my interest. And I just thought the, the trailer was rather clever. So yeah. I'm curious. No, I am, too. I, it looks interesting. It looks like a lot of fun. I think it'd be great. Uh, we're seeing uh, there was a trailer that was shown before um, air. Okay. That I cannot remember the name of it. Did not look good. Uh oh. But it's the same idea as this trying to really showcase, you know, uh, females and more uh, crossing different uh, genre type films. This was obviously more of a straight comedy, but I think they're trying to work a lot of things in. So what was it? Uh, it was what I was going to give you as a penalty for not having reviewed 80 for Brady. Was it, um, book club, the next chapter? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, I saw, <laughs> I saw that. Okay. No, that was okay. the other bad trailer I saw before. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But I, I, I do like what they're trying to do with, with diversifying the films and getting some different audience, doing some different cultures represented for sure. I think is great. And, um, the, the, the film looks great looks like a lot of fun. So yeah, visually it's like yeah. the colors are really bright mm-hmm. and the shot selection stuff. That's good. No, I think that's interesting. So uh, April 28th, that is coming out. That is a uh, polite society mm-hmm. um, action comedy. Uh, yeah, looks good. A merry mashup of sisterly affection, parental disappointment and bold action follows martial arts and training who believes she must save her older sister from an impending marriage. Love it. There you go. Sounds good. Sign me up. I'm on board. <laughs> Um, I'm surprised, Chris, that we went through our trailer topic section and we did not even mention, which we will do on another episode. Okay. Three movies that are coming up that I think we're all eagerly interested in seeing. Uh, for me, new trailer for the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. There was a new trailer for the Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City. I, I did watch. I have yeah. seen that one. And then also Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Yeah, so two of, the th- three. two of the three I haven't seen, but I did give in and see Asteroid City. Yeah, so interesting trailers. Again, we're not going to talk about them on the show because we're <laughs> tight on time, but just know that those are three floating out there that are, I will say, from my perspective, all three are worth your time seeing. So at least to get a taste of the movie. Hmm. Now, Chris, we move on to our recommendations. This is where you and I both share a recommendation of a film that we think people ought to check out, something we could either watch online or see some easy way without having to trek to the theater necessarily. But also it could be a film that we just caught back up with recently. Maybe one that we had not seen initially and finally had a chance to see now online or just an old classic. We want to bring back up and make sure people know about. So Chris, I'm going to go to you first. What uh, film would you like to recommend for everybody today? So I'm going to recommend a film that was just at Sundance this year, I believe, and was kind of a, a hit there. 
and it was sold to Hulu and just came out um, at the end of March, March 31st, but it's called Rye Lane, R-Y-E, like as in the like wheat type thing, mm-hmm. Rye and then Lane, L-A-N-E. And it stars two people who you probably haven't heard of because I hadn't, um, David Johnson and Vivian Opera. And it's directed, first time director, Rain Allen Miller. And the concept is to two people who both reeling from a bad breakup meet kind of serendipitously and then spend a day together walking around in South London. Sounds kind of familiar, like Before Sunrise or Before Sunset or Before Midnight, (laughs) the Richard Linklater movies. Um, So this takes place in London. It does do some, the colors are really bright and it has a lot of like snazzy editing and they don't stick strictly within the confines of the one day. But, I mean, a lot of it does take place in one day. But it's clever. It's a romantic comedy, and I found it unique enough that I enjoyed watching it. So uh, check it out. So it didn't feel the need. It didn't feel like it was was trying to, like, fit a... uh uh, a gimmick, you know, with the whole, cause I mean, that's the thing, the, the, the book before sunrise right. is kind of, it's a gimmick movie. It's just a really well done one. Right. The idea being it truly, it does all just transpire with these two characters in a eight hour span of time. This one, you say it kind of, it breaks that a little bit. It doesn't yeah. feel beholden. Do to some it. flashbacks and things okay. like that. So you do spend some time, not strictly within those hours, sure that they were walking and talking. Oh, and it's a Chris Fry approved duration of one hour and 22 minutes. There you go. That doesn't hurt. That's good. So rain Allen Miller. Uh, this is a uh, Hulu film. Mm -hmm. Rye lane. Yes. Wow. Had not heard of it. That's good. Is click on my list. (laughs) Now ready to watch. Good. Um, my recommendation is a film. I know you have seen Chris. Okay. You might've even recommended it months ago or last year. But that's fine because this is my first time seeing it and I'm going to recommend it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it is the film After Yang. Oh, so yes. So After Yang available for rental or uh, it's on a couple streaming services, but it's ones I think you have to sign up for to watch it streaming. Not like you're not at HBO or Netflix, some other random ones. Gotcha. But I just did the rental, you know, and that that's a fine way to see it. Um, for those not familiar, this is a, a film by writer-director uh, Koganata. It's starring uh, Colin, uh, Colin Farrell, uh, Jerry Turner-Smith, and Justin Min. And it is about, in tells the story of a family in the near future, reckoning with questions of love, connection, and loss after their AI, their artificial intelligence helper, unexpectedly breaks down. And that's basically what it is. They, this is in the near future. Families uh, like this one, they have an adopted daughter who is of Asian descent. So they have brought in an AI Android that is also of Asian descent to basically act as almost like a surrogate big brother to kind of help her acclimate to the culture and to make sure she keeps connection with her Chinese roots as well. So kind of an interesting premise and pretty early on, yes, the robot does kind of malfunction and goes offline. So the rest of the movie is really them exploring what it meant for this AI construct to be a part of their family what did they not realize or know about this, uh, this, this character? And what does it say about memory and life and living life? And uh, I found this film to be beautiful. I found it to be very, very uh, thought provoking. It was uh, just well done from start to finish. I, I knew I was going to like this film, but I did not realize how much I would like this film after seeing it. Sure. Um, 
And I think you may have mentioned this as well, if I remember correctly, when either you recommended this or you've talked about it, one of the best opening sequences as well <laughs> during the opening credits. Yes. Um, totally out of disconnect with the rest of the movie, but it worked and loved it. And uh, yeah, so that's after Yang. Uh, rated PG is also about an hour 36. So it's in that Chris Fry sweet spot. Underneath, <laughs> underneath two hours. Yep. yep. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good movie. Very, very good. Very slow. Very, very, very deliberate, but beautifully shot, beautifully acted. Mm-hmm. It's some really, really Agreed. interesting questions it raises and discussions it brings up. So, yeah. You you like this movie. Yes, yeah. I liked it quite a bit. I think one of the – it was kind of shafted by A24 because yeah. it. I think pandemic-wise it was going to come out earlier and then it finally did and it was kind of hard to see and then it just kind of – under the radar for a lot of people, which I think is a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I do like after Yang. Yeah. It's a, just a very, very good movie. Very surprisingly good movie for me. Uh, I knew I'd like it. Did not like it. Did not expect to like it as much as I did. So, sure. uh, and just for the record, you know, I even watched it with a family member of mine, a son of mine. Um, that even with the younger generation, I thought they typically have a, I find them that have a little harder time paying attention to very slow, deliberately paced films. Yeah. He also thoroughly appreciated the film and enjoyed it. So okay. um, it's a good one to talk about afterwards. That's gotcha. that's kind of where I'd leave that one with. So, okay. All right. Well, I think that is our show for today. So air thumbs up on both me and Chris Tetris thumbs down from me. Chris <laughs> is kind of almost uh, thumbs up, almost <laughs> thumbs up, but not quite there. Um, we had our uh, discussion about the new star Wars movies that have been announced and coming up. And we also showed a trailer for Polite Society that looks very engaging and entertaining, hopefully coming out in a couple weeks here. And then our recommendations, Chris with Rye Lane on Hulu and me with After Yang on just your typical Amazon, Apple, whatever, rental uh, movie service. All right, Chris, we have a film festival coming up as well, too. So we got to put in our plug for that. What's up with the film festival? It will be in Hickory, North Carolina, September 15th through the 24th. So we encourage you to come and join us if you can, if you're in the Western North Carolina area. Otherwise, if you'd like to drop us an email, you can do so at info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Al and I are also on Letterboxd, where we try to track what we're seeing. And if you would do us the favor, uh, give us a star rating, write a review, share with your friends on whatever service you receive your favorite podcast. It'll help us reach new listeners, and we'd appreciate it. All right. So coming up, that'll be a fun time this fall. So we do encourage you to come uh, join us. Did we say mid-July is about when we'll be releasing a schedule and tickets go on sale? Yeah. So we just encourage you to go to the website and check that out before uh, by mid-July. You'll start to see information coming up uh, about schedule. But as Chris gave you the dates, go ahead and put them on your calendar. Know that's when we'll be doing the festival. And we will have a lot of things going on all throughout that time period. So. And otherwise, footcandle.org is where you go to find out about our film society that we have it here in Western North Carolina. We do monthly film screenings in the local downtown theater here and bring in something every month. We're showing a film this week, one of the Oscar-nominated uh, international features uh, bringing in. And then, of course, we'll have uh, film screenings going on throughout the rest of the year. So if you are in the Hickory slash Statesville, Morganton, Western North Carolina, Unifor area, whatever this area is called... <laughs> Uh, check us out at footcandle.org and you're welcome to come join us for any of our film screenings. 
All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks a lot. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.